welcome to Moreland Myths. didn't get a heads up man i hear that it's a little asmr for you mm. <laughs> cheers cheers oh. episode 50 episode 50 welcome to more than myths Ugh. it tastes like orange cough medicine tastes like dayquil oh no oh no <laughs> What is it? I can't see. It says Bud Light Seltzer, but it's... a bu- Is it a Bud Light Seltzer? It's a hard soda. So it's orange soda, yeah. but it tastes like yeah. Dayquil. It's going to power through it. Maybe it'll get you drunk and put you to sleep. Ugh. <laughs> Yuck. Stop Gross. me from coughing and get me through the day. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I just got back from Disneyland. So anyway, I like boba. It was fun. Nice. What are you up to? Not anything. I'm working. I'm working like a dog. Working a lot. Working a lot. Yeah, I did the ten-hour shift yesterday. Were you supposed Not to do purpose. a ten-hour shift? No, I was supposed to be off at five, and I got stuck with an issue, and it took me way too long to resolve. Uh, what did we, what have we done fun? We went and walked around, uh, Art in the Park, which we hoped that maybe by next year when Art in the Park comes again, we'll have forgotten about this year and we'll go again. <laughs> oh, why? What happened? It's always the same. N- nothing. Nothing's wrong with Art in the Park. Oh, There's, okay. It's always just the same thing. And since everything's kind of like starting to get back to normal and people mm-hmm. are coming out and like doing more stuff and it was nice and there was so many people oh, there were yeah. so many people there and i was like hey we gotta go after 45 minutes i was like i'm done i we I'm maxed go. out can we please leave yeah i feel you <laughs> i'm maxed out i maxed out it was fun i got some cool prints though i don't know where i put them okay. i'm trying to think of who the who the artist is it's like i think it's called imps and monsters or is it imps and monsters Ooh, imps yeah his art is great we'll send it to we'll post it on our instagram too but it's kind of like that cutesy style kind of kawaii almost oh it's so cute it's so cute uh let's see so keeping to our structure uh are you reading anything um am i reading anything yeah i'm still stuck on the fucking ice planet barbarians sorry wait okay how far have you made it are you at what book i definitely slowed down oh yeah okay i'm I'm still on book three okay and then i have just a lot like my fantasy series books i'm just bored of right now so they're on the back shelf they're on the back burner I'm good. I gotcha. Uh, my next thing I'd like to like add is I'm going through just some studying for the show. Because like when I hear it, I can recount it. So right. it's a lot easier to do some research if I, it's like an audiobook. Yeah, I understand. Nice. I wish I could see your Kindle list. Oh, it's embarrassing. No. I'm 
sure it's not. Yeah, right. Did I ever tell you that Josh showed his coworker my Audible account once? <laughs> no. And I was like, that's that's personal. Very embarrassing. <laughs> that was very embarrassing. There is some smut in there that is like I don't want people to know what I'm fucking reading. Like that is great. Can you not? Yeah. Don't ever do that. <laughs> And then I met her actually when we were at Disneyland because she lives in L.A. And he had like shown her like when he was down there visiting once because they were talking at dinner. And she's like, oh, yeah, we have really similar book taste. And I was like, oh, good. I'm I was really pissed that he showed you that. So I'm glad that you're at least on the same page as me. (laughs) She's like, oh, yeah, no, it was everything I've read. And I was like, "Okay, I'm glad that's good because. I I would love it to turn into if you read this then you should try this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my it's gosh, like, that oh is hilarious. Gosh. That's actually really so, funny. So, I'm not I am so my weekend plans yeah. though uh-huh. along the lines of reading. Yeah. This is our first weekend where we don't have anything happening. In a hot like, minute, months. you're always so busy. So, <laughs> I am playing Disney Valley dreamscape or oh Disney is that dreamscape the new one Valley. that came out on xbox yeah i saw it yeah it's fucking animal crossing with, with disneyland. disneyland yeah and everybody who liked animal crossing is raving really? about it on the internet yeah so i'm like sign me up i saw it and did a pass i did a hard pass which is surprising for me because i like i really love like time management games that's what i'm spending this weekend doing and then i'm watching Ring of power or rings of power. We're gonna wait till it I'm all comes. So far behind. We're gonna come wait till it all is out. Till it's all out. It's a good idea. Yeah, we're gonna wait. I know. I'm like, because fucking House of Dragon started mm-hmm. like a week before Rings of Power started, mm-hmm. and they're both hour long episodes. I'm like, bitch, I don't have two hours no. to spend Sunday. every week. Sunday's my only night watching all this shit. Yeah, yeah, we're behind on um. Game of Thrones, where we just finished watching Pachinko. Um, that was really good. What's I Pachinko? Recommend it. Um, it's based on a book. What's it on? Um, it's on Apple TV. We've been watching a lot of stuff on Apple TV. Um, but it's about um a Korean family, um, during their occupation, um, from Japan. And kind of oh, okay. what happens with their life, this uh, this family's life. It's pretty good. It's pretty sad. It's very All deep. Right. It's very. Is it a show or is it a movie? It's a show. It's a series. I think it's eight, okay. eight long. But it's really cool because they, they, you can watch it dubbed in English, but you can also watch it with the native languages being spoken, but then when they're speaking Japanese, it highlights it in one language, and when they're speaking Korean, it highlights it in another language. So you can, like, tell what language they're speaking. It's right. really cool. Yeah, I really appreciate the way that they actually did this. It's really good. Yeah, it sounds, honestly, it sounds like too much of a bummer for me. It might be. Honestly, it's very... I'm just such a baby. No, you're not. Like... You're not. I mean, I'm just really sensitive. Yeah. That's what I mean by yeah. that. Like I Oh, I sobbed. Things that I watch, things that I, you know, Intake. am reading, I, I take it on yeah. and then it just it, like if it's a bummer, I will be it will oh. put me into a bummer. I was you ugly know, like, crying last night cuz we finished it and there's a part that happens and 
I couldn't get it together. No. No. Anyway. I cried in Pinocchio last night. So did I. Sob. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I was like, we're back. It's our first, our first normal episode. It It is our first normal episode. Oh my gosh. That's true. In a long time. In a really long time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I got really overwhelmed with Haley? emotions. Is it spooky season? Ah, it is. <laughs> Look, I wore my. Oh I my god, my I love it! T-shirt. I'm wearing fall colored clothes, so that was my contribution. Yeah, we match. We match. All right, you're first, my dear. Am I? My love. Yeah. Because I talked about Paris last week, okay. so I feel... And it was like an only me episode. It was an so only you episode. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Are you ready? Ready. Yay. Okay, I've actually wanted to tell you this story since last year when we started this. Okay. Okay. So, when I was little, there's a movie, and I'm going to tell you what it is, and you can tell me if you've seen it or heard of it. It's called... The Ghost in the Darkness. Nope. Okay. So this movie came out in 1996. Uh, I watched it. Ricky and I watched it at my grandparents' house. And it scared the shit out of me. Okay. <laughs> um, it stars Val Kilmer, Michael Douglas, and Bernard Hill. And I know that you're going to know who all of those people are. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Val Kilmer. Yeah. Michael and you know who Bernard Hill is, right? Probably. Um, he's the king in Lord of the Rings. Oh, the captain of the Titanic. Uh I wanna say yes. I mean I don't... if we're oh, yeah. so the yeah. it is the same person. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's him. Uh he's in it. Okay. Um if you decide to watch it, you I think it's a fine movie. I haven't seen it in a couple years, but you can form your own opinion about it. So there's actually okay. a new movie that's coming out, and it's called The Beast. And I saw an article that was referencing what I'm going to tell you about. So do you have any idea? Wait. I feel like those are two very, like. Yeah. What was the f- name of the first the movie? The Ghost in the Darkness. The ghost in the darkness. Yeah, the ghost and the beast. Um, it's just, sorry, it's just called Beast. I thought it okay, was the. Okay, but beast. is that like the one with Idris Elba and the freaking d- demonic? No, lion. Oh, okay. Yeah, is it though? Yeah. Okay, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. So, do you have any idea what the ghost in the darkness is about? Do you have any? Okay. No. All right. So also a caveat for the listeners. Sorry, you don't get this. You don't get to ditch out. Um, it does get a little bit graphic. Um, there's definitely some gore and blood and kind of yucky stuff. Okay. I'm really hoping that the lightning and things that are going on outside does not kick my power off. <laughs> oh, we'd be fucked. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, there's a book that's written by a guy that was there. His name's John H. Patterson, and he wrote a book called The Man-Eaters of Savo. And 
there's a podcast also that I've talked about before. It's called Tooth and Claw, and they do a two-part series about this very episode. It was one of the first episodes of theirs that I listened to, and I was peeing in my pants. I was so fucking excited. Um, The book is available for free online. I will say, though, that if you do decide to read it, it is very... It's an older book. Um, It's a very archaic English colonial perspective. Um, It does have a lot of racial slurs in the book, Mm. which I am not a fan of. But the main kind of like protagonist guy, the gentleman that writes the book, um, he actually seems like a pretty decent guy. Um, Okay. It's just that was the language that they used. I don't agree with it, but... You know, they didn't. Anyway, um, so we're yeah. going to do a time jump to 1989 AD, and we're in the Savo region <laughs> in southeastern Kenya. So the word Savo translates into place of slaughter, and that doesn't actually have anything to do with the story that I'm going to tell you, but it has to do with wars and things that had happened previously in this area between different tribes. So in the 1890s, um, the British started construction of the Uganda Railroad that would um, connect Mombasa with Lake Victoria. And from the very beginning of this, there was a lot of problems. Um, before I get into the story, they had um, they had a lot of Indian workers that came that were kind of conscripted into the army to come and build this railroad, and they did not take care of these people at all. Um, they didn't have clean water. They didn't have sufficient food. They got really sick. They had, like, giardia and diarrhea constantly. Um they were paid pennies for backbreaking work. Um, and to give you just an idea of how terrible it was, not only for the men, but the animals, I don't know how many people, how many humans died, but 95% of all of the animals they brought in to do the work, donkeys, camels, oxen, 95% died. Um, the story, the man of our story, John Patterson, he arrives in Mombasa in March of 1898 and he's actually a civil engineer and he is given the task to oversee the construction of this railway through the Savo region and he's building bridges building embankments he's responsible for about 60 miles so he gets on a train and he gets into Savo at night and he's super excited and he gets up in the morning and he's thinking like oh I'm gonna walk out and it's gonna be this beautiful lush green area it's gonna be like your you know beautiful it's going to be beautiful. It's not. Savo is very dry. It's very hot. There are thorn bushes everywhere. They're called acacia. And he's kind of bummed out, but he tries to keep a pretty positive outlook. And you know, he's kind of the guy that he doesn't let things get him down, really. So there are a thousand workers that arrive and construction starts on the section that he's been charged with. Immediately there are problems. And he states in his book, our work was soon interrupted in a rude and startling manner. 
two of the most ferocious and insatiable man-eating lions appeared upon the scene and for over nine months waged an intermittent warfare against the railway and all those connected. Nine months. Ah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Buckle up your fucking pants. Dude, okay. It's fucking crazy. Okay, so... He goes on to say, at first, they were not always successful in their efforts to carry off a victim, but at times, um, but as time went on, they stopped at nothing and indeed braved any danger to obtain their favorite food. Their methods then became so uncanny and their man stalking so well-timed and so certain of success that the workmen firmly believed that they were not really animals at all, but devils in lion shape. <gasps> oh my God, you. <laughs> Many a time, the workers solemnly assured me that it was absolutely useless to attempt to shoot them. They were quite convinced that the angry spirits of two departed native chiefs had taken this form in order to protest against a railway being made through their country and by stopping its progress to avenge the insult thus shown to them. I don't disagree. Oh my god. I mean, honestly, you made it, you got a good point. Yeah. Um so Look up a picture. Don't look up a picture of the Savo lions, but look up. Okay, so they're not your typical lion. They don't have manes. Like you think of a lion and it's got this big flowing mane and it's very regal and majestic and they don't have that, which makes them scarier, in my opinion, because they just kind of look scraggly. Yeah, they oh. just kind of look scraggly and kind of, I don't know, meaner, kind of. And they're huge. They're enormous. Like, I don't know what about a mane. I, like, you see a lion and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a big cat. But then you see it without a mane and you're like, that's a big fucking cat. <laughs> yeah, they honestly remind me more like of like a naked tiger. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. So your average male adult lion is anywhere from 420 pounds all the way up to 600 pounds. Um, from nose to tail tip, they can be about 10 feet long. Like, I can't even fathom. That's It's huge. I had no idea. I didn't know. Um, to add to it, to add to the fucking terror, they can run up to 50 miles an hour. I think a human can run what? Like the fastest is like 18. Like maybe. <laughs> like the fastest person on earth. Like you like the fastest the person fastest on earth. The fastest person on earth can trampled. run less than 20 like, miles an hour. If you're being chased. And you're fucking booking it. Yeah. No. And just lay, just lay down and die. Just lay down and you're die. Fine. You're done for. You're dead. Yeah. Um wow. And they Ugh. they can jump 36 feet. I don't know if that's 36 feet up in the air, vertical. Um, regardless, 36 feet no. is a lot. It's a lot. No. Yeah. Yes. No, they couldn't. Like, that's that can't <laughs> be possible. Like, outward, sure, because there's some projectile, sure. but, like, gravity. I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty big know, animal. Though. 10 that's feet a long, a 10-foot long animal that's 600 pounds. Yeah. It's a cat, so it's they're big. Oh, it's a big fucking blech. cat. Yeah. Black. <laughs> Uh, so Patterson arrives and after his soon after his arrival he hears about these lions they've been seen in the area and soon after um, 
an Indian worker disappears. So some of the workers come to Patterson and they tell him that the worker was taken by a lion. And he's like, you're exaggerating. There was probably a dispute between people and they don't want to know because they probably took this guy off and killed him. Right. But he soon realizes how very wrong he actually is. So, (laughs) yeah, ready in April of 1989. So he's probably been there maybe like two or three weeks by now. Um, There's a man that's named Ungan Singh and he's a Jemadar, which is like a lieutenant in the army. And he's assigned to ensure the well-being of Patterson. So he's kind of his bodyguard. He's a very powerfully built man. He is asleep in his tent with a half dozen other workmen. And what they would do is they would sleep with their head against the pole. Like they'd have one big pole in the middle and then they'd sleep with their heads in the pole, kind of like the spokes of a wheel. And um, one of his tent mates describes what happens. He said, the lion suddenly appeared in the open tent door, seized Ungan Singh, which was closest to the opening by the throat, to which Singh threw up his arms around the lion's neck and in his native language cried out, let go. And he was just gone. The men in the tent were helpless and could hear what was happening just outside the tent as the lion killed Singh as he struggled and screamed. It's terrible. So the next morning, oh, you better bring on. <laughs> so the next morning, Patterson wakes up to news that his bodyguard has been killed. And he immediately leaves and goes out to track the lion. And he finds the tracks around the tent and he's he's convinced, he, I was not lied to, there is a lion that's eating people. Yeah. So he easily tracks the lions by lion by its foot pads. They, I think they call them pug marks. I don't know. Anyway, but the and the drag marks from Singh's heels in the dirt as he's being dragged. No, Patterson states the blood, all of the blood, the ground all around was covered in blood. There was morsels of flesh and bone. Sorry, but Singh's head was untouched, save for the puncture wounds made by the lion's teeth. And lay a short distance away from the other remains, the eyes staring wide open with a startled, horrified look in them. It was a, it was, so this guy has been in the army, he's seen battle, and he said this was the most gruesome sight I have ever seen. It's terrible. So these lions, are you okay? Uh huh. <laughs> so these lions had killed him right outside of the tent and then they had taken his yeah. body off to eat him um so as he's looking at the scene he discovers that there's not just one lion there's two no. yeah so patterson states i vowed then and there that i would spare no pains to rid the neighborhood of the brutes i little knew the trouble that was in store for me or how narrow was to be my escape from poor from sharing poor ungan singh's fate That night, he decides that he's going to try to kill these lions. He climbs up in a tree near the tent, and he waits for the lions to return. And he's actually joined by a few of the workers because they're too afraid to sleep in their tents. Oh, fuck. No kidding. No kidding. I'd be up in that tree, too. So. Not if they can jump 36 feet down. Right? It's crazy. It's crazy. So they're sitting in the tree, and they start to hear roaring 
in the distance. And it starts to get closer Mm-mm. and closer. No. Mm-mm. And then Ooh. it stops. Sorry. It's fine. And then it also sip. And then it stops. It's just quiet. No. And then in another camp, they start hearing yelling and cries. It's about a half mile away, and the lions went to another camp. Oh, my God. So he, so in the morning, Patterson goes to the other camp, and he talks to them, and he finds out that another worker in the night has been taken and killed. So the, that night, and I apologize because the story kind of gets a little bit repetitive because they're lions and they're going to eat people. So that's just what happens. I mean, there's different things that I happen, guess. but right. so he... He goes to the net, he goes to the camp and he sits in a tree by that camp. And this time he actually ties a goat to the tree and he's like, oh yeah, this, maybe this will be tempting for them. At midnight, he hears screams from another camp that the lions. So this, so it's, their work site is spread about like 10 miles up and down this railway. So they have a 10, I mean, it's a huge area. It's a big area. He can't be in all of these places at once. And he doesn't have enough, like, people with guns to be able to, I mean, they're there to build a railroad. They're not there to hunt lions, you know? Right. So. um, What year is this? uh, 1898. 18? 1898. 98. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know why. Why did I get early? The 80s. <laughs> nope. Okay, I was no, I'm thankful it wasn't in Wrong the 80s. 80s. Wrong 80s. All right. I think cool. I just got home. Uh, let's see. Okay. So um, Patterson states that they seem to have an extraordinary and uncanny faculty for finding out our plans beforehand so that no matter in how likely or how tempting a spot we lay in wait for them, they invariably avoided that particular place and seized their victim from some other camp. So during the day, he would actually go out and try to hump for these lions. But if you look at the and we'll have pictures of the region. um, This landscape is not advantageous to hunt lions. It's perfectly advantageous for them to hunt humans. But not the other way around. Yeah. So in the beginning, the lions aren't always successful in their efforts to get people. Um, and there's a couple of attempts in the book. And Patterson tries to, like, lighten it up. And he, like, oh, this is funny that the lion, like, knocked this traitor and a donkey over and got tied up in some tin cans. And it scared the lion away. Like, he tries to make it funny. But it's not funny. But he's trying to lighten the mood. Like, they don't always. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so Patterson himself is in a tent with Dr. Rose and Dr. Brock, and they are two of the medical doctors on site and they have their, their servants with them and they end up sleeping in all these tents in an area and they decide that they're going to build what's called a boma. So it's essentially just a fence made out of these thorny trees that are all over in the area, the acacia trees. And they'll take these branches and they'll weave them together to make this fence, this really thorny fence. And I think the acacia thorns are like, they're not to be messed with. They're, it's crazy. So they end up building bomas around these tents, but the lions keep finding ways through the bomas. Yeah, or... Or they would just jump over them entirely, which is also fucking crazy. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So at this time, there's a really big camp in this area, and it's called Railhead Camp. And it this camp easily itself 
consists of a few thousand men. But this large camp moves on because they finished the work that they're doing. And he's left with just a few hundred men to kind of complete the permanent work. Okay. And because all of the men are camped in one spot, the lions now are becoming more apparent. So he says that a regular panic. I can't imagine how much fucking anxiety these guys dealt with on the daily basis. It's it's insane. Oh, I wouldn't sleep. No. Well, so I, I wouldn't sleep. So what they do is they end up building these really thick bomas. Like they try to make them bigger and higher and they built big fires in the enclosure to try to make it so that the lions wouldn't come close to the camps and they would mm-hmm. take string and then they would um put tin cans and like pans on these strings and somebody would sit in their tent yeah. all night and they would pull these strings nothing worked nothing worked they still found their way through the fucking bomas the tin cans it was like it was like a dinner bell it doesn't matter <laughs> it's fucking terrible it's horrible that's awful so the when the railhead camp leaves they left a hospital camp behind so it's about three quarters of a mile from Patterson's tent and it actually had a really good thick fence around it and it actually appeared to be really secure um, but the lions of course kept finding ways through so in the book Patterson talks about how these lions were virtually silent like you would hear them coming okay. but you wouldn't know where which direction they were coming from after they yeah. were quiet yeah yeah um so there was a um there was a <laughs> my autocorrect it said there was one a casino <laughs> that doesn't make any sense <laughs> no um i think I, I meant to say an occasion there was a hospital assistant and he heard a noise outside of his tent so he like pulls back the tent opening and was horrified to see this large male lion standing just a few yards away from him no and the animal springs at him and it startles him so he backs up really fast and he fell over a box of medical supplies that made a lot of noise and it saved his life um unfortunately the lion went to a different part of camp and collapsed a tent that had eight workers inside injuring two of them while another was seized and dragged off through the boma um, so after this, oh my God, yeah, I have more. Not sorry. <laughs> after this instance, they decide to abandon this camp completely. They're going to move all of the. Oh no shit! Yeah, they're going to move the hospital camp. They're going to make it closer to the main camp, and they're going to build an even bigger, even higher, even more secure boma. And. Before nightfall, they get all of this work done. Everybody's contributing, and they get all of the patients moved into the new hospital. Thinking that the lions are going to return to the old hospital camp, Patterson climbs into a tree, but he's wrong again. So he's waiting in the old hospital camp, and to his great distress, he hears the shrieks and cries that he's all now too familiar with at the new hospital camp. So the hospital water carrier was sleeping in his newly erected tent, Probably feeling because the boma that they built around this place was so big. I mean, it was the biggest one yet. Um, there's a bunch of big bonfires that are lit, but one of the lions jumped over it. He didn't even sneak through. He just jumped over this fucking boma, um, puts his head underneath the canvas and grabs this guy by the feet 
So the water carrier wakes up to tugging on his feet. And he realizes that his feet are in a lion's mouth. And it begins to drag him out of the tent. So he manages to grab a large heavy box of supplies. And he actually drags this whole box with him until it catches on the tent and he loses his grip. Then he manages to grab onto a tent rope. But he is being pulled so hard that the rope actually snaps. It's insane. Um, all the other occupants of the tent watch this lion kill this guy. No. And he is, the lion picks him up and it's pacing up and down the boma trying to find a way through. And he eventually finds a spot and he takes the guy's body through the boma, through this tiny boma. And there's all of these people that are just watching this. So the next morning they track the lion and they don't, they, they don't find very much of this guy. So they decide that they're going to move the water, the, the hospital again, and they're going to build a bigger boma and it's going to have bigger fires. So, um, there, one of the doctors, Dr. Brock, um, he is actually, chased up a tree in the middle of the day by one of these lions they've never they haven't attacked during the day they're getting real brave yep um so at the second hospital site they left a couple tents and they tied up some cattle as bait and they in the movie there's a whole scene about this and they have like blood and guts and all of this stuff to try to like lure the lions in and they have some covered wagons that actually have like a metal like a metal covering on them, which mm-hmm. no, that was a thing. Um, but Patterson and Dr. Brock are going to hide in this thing. So it's really late when the two men decide to take up their positions and they reach the camp with no incident and they start their watch around 10 o'clock. They don't have a fire. It's super dark. It's pitch black. And um, what follows is Patterson's first like face-to-face contact with these lions. So it's about midnight and he hears a twig snap in the darkness and he knows that there's a there's something nearby. And they hear a dull thud as if some heavy body had jumped over the boma and the cows start to get a little agitated and then it just goes silent. So Patterson leans close to Dr. Brock and he's like, I'm going to get out of the wagon and I'm going to lay on the ground under the wagon so that I can get a better shot at this thing. And the doctor's like, that's not a good idea. You need to stay in the wagon. And, like, a minute later, Patterson sees this lion. And it's actually been stalking them. It's been watching them the whole time. What the fuck are these lions, I know. man? I know. Um, so they had ordered the entrance to the Boma be blocked up so that it couldn't get in, that there was no way in. It hadn't been closed up. So they had been listening for a lion, like, forcing its way through this Boma, it just walked in. <laughs> like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so he he thinks, Patterson thinks he sees something coming towards him, and he isn't sure if he can trust his own eyes, and he quietly asks Brock, like, can you see anything? And Brock doesn't respond, but seconds later, a huge body leaps at them. Patterson calls <gasps> out, the lion! And both men fire. And the lion swerves and runs off. 
So the next morning, they find Brock's bullet embedded. The in lion the- swerves, like jumps out of the way. I don't know. What do you call that? What do you call? What do you call? No, I mean, I'm just like how it misses the it bullet. Misses, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Jesus it's crazy. Christ. Yeah, and I don't think that these were young lions either. I think that no, they were they very, very probably pretty older lions. Sure. Um, so Brock's bullets embedded in the sand. Um, it probably missed the lion by an inch, <laughs> but Patterson's bullet is nowhere to be found. So Patterson thinks that he's hit the lion because this is the last incident for months. Nothing happens. They don't have any incidences. They don't have any sightings. They don't hear anything, but Patterson knows that they're going to come back. He knows that this is not the end. And so he actually builds a trap. And he takes this wooden train car and it's got doors on both ends and he installs in the middle a bunch of metal bars. So what they would what he decides to do is on one end, he's going to use live men so fucked up as bait. And then the lion would come through the other side and it would hit a tripwire and it would close the door behind him. And then the men would have just ample opportunity to shoot this lion and kill it. Right. So they build this trap. They disguise it under a boma. And they build a small opening up to it, and then they d- they create it so that they can actually close it up behind them so that the lion can't come in behind them. Right. So they start hearing about other attacks at other camps, and one's about 10 miles away, but the men start thinking, like, oh, the lions are gone for good. It's fine. We're, we don't need to worry about it. So, of course, that's not the case. <laughs> um, a group of men one night is sleeping out in the open because it's so hot. And they think that the lions are gone for good. But they're woken up in the middle of the night to the sounds of one of the lions forcing its way through the boma. And the ghost in the darkness have returned. So um, an alarm is sounded and they're throwing sticks and like rocks and lit stick like like fire sticks. That's what they call them. But like sticks that just have fire on them. Um it doesn't <laughs> they call them fire sticks but what a torch there that's the word i'm looking for a torch a torch and it doesn't stop the lion it doesn't matter it grabs one of those guys and it drags him off and they can hear both lions like usually what they would do is they would take them off and eat them and this time they don't they stay about 30 feet away from camp and they eat this person so it's they kind it's almost like they start to play mind games with the people, which yeah. is really fucking scary. <sighs> this is terrible. This is awful. What happens? <laughs> Patterson doesn't allow the men to bar- to bury this guy. He doesn't let them bury the remains because he thinks the lions are going to come back to finish this finish it off, finish off their meal. Mm-hmm. And he sits up in a tree and they don't come back. There's an attack at a camp two miles away. So um, weeks go by and there's more attacks and the um, let's see. Uh, he says in his whole life, I have never experienced something Anything more nerve-shaking than to hear the deep roars of these dreadful monsters growing gradually nearer and nearer and to know that someone someone or other of us was doomed to be their victim before morning dawned. 
Once they reached the vicinity of the camps, the roars completely ceased and we knew that they were stalking for their prey. Shouts would then pass from camp to camp of, beware brothers, the devil is coming. And the warning cries would would prove to no avail and sooner or later, agonizing shrieks would break the silence and another man would be missing from roll call next morning. Patterson actually starts to feel a little bit crazy. Like at this point. (laughs) Which is crazy. Um, But he... There's a guy that is... How much time has passed? Do you know? How much a time couple of months, at least. Okay. Probably, I would say, maybe like six. Six months. Yeah. All right. So you've been chasing a fucking lion mm-hmm. eating people every night. Yeah. Yep. Um, but there's one night where they grab a guy from the railway station, and they actually bring this guy close to Patterson's tent, and he can hear them all night. Like crunching on this guy's bones and fucking purring and he said that he could hear that for like days later like he couldn't sleep like that's not normal lion behavior to find a particular person's tent these aren't lions these are not lions no they're not lions Mm -hmm. no so no um the lions actually start to attack at the same time so usually what would happen is one would come in and the other would wait on the outside and then it would right. come out but now they both start together. coming in yeah so december two fir- two at the same time one's bad enough one's bad no. enough no yeah okay so actually i was so i was wrong so it was april that the first one started so we're in december how long is that oh okay about nine months eight months eight months okay so i was a couple months off two months off the workers' strike. It took them this Fuck long. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, t- I'm surprised it took them this long. Honestly, I would have been like, "Fuck this, I'm out." The first person to be drugged from their tent. Yeah, and I had to listen to their screams. Yeah, fuck that. Nope. No, I'm out. Yep. I'd be like, I deserter. Like, sure, I don't fucking care. No, I would have no enjoy. I wouldn't care. Yeah. So they no. they come to Patterson and they tell him we came to work for the government, not to be. Not to be a food supply for either lions or devils. They stopped a passing train by throwing themselves on the rails in front of the engine. And then they just swarmed this train and fucking left. They were gone. So only a few dozen men. I, seriously, fucking peace out. Like, no, no way. way. No way. And I don't know how many men at this point have been taken. Probably anywhere from, I don't know, 30 to 50 men. Probably. No. Because they're attacking almost every single night. I mean, yeah, there was a couple months yeah. that they didn't, but that's 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 however many, too many. Yeah. Um, so there's a few dozen men that decide to stay and um work has all but stopped totally. Um Patterson sends a letter to this guy named Mr. Whitehead. He's a district officer, and he implores Mr. Whitehead to come in to bring his assistance. Um he has a group of soldiers and he wants to he wants him to come and help him try to kill these lions. Yeah. So he's supposed to arrive on the 2nd of December, but um Patterson sends a kid up to go and get this Mr. Whitehead and a short time comes passes and the boy comes back and he is trembling. And he's he tells Patterson he's like I got to the station and there's an enormous lion standing on the platform. He's like, I came back. And so Patterson's like, I don't believe you. 
there's what the fuck yeah he's like i don't believe you because at this point anything that moved if they saw a bird if they saw a dog if they saw hyena it was a lion i don't blame them this is fucking traumatizing right so right. you might as well believe everything you might as well lie. believe everything and why would you lie about that i anyway right whatever um, so he goes the next day to the station and he finds out that the kid was telling the truth. The station master and the signal man had to lock themselves in the station building because the lion was just hanging out on the platform. So Whitehead doesn't show up that evening and Patterson's eating his dinner and he hears a couple shots go off and he doesn't pay any attention because the people that do have guns, they're shooting at the animals all the time. Like they're shooting their guns all the time. And it's, it's normal. It's normal. It. it doesn't even phase him. So later that evening, he goes out to a hide that he's constructed. And once he gets up there, he's surprised to hear the lions growling and purring like he knows they like to do. And he knows that they're eating something about 70 yards away from his hide. But he doesn't understand what they found to eat because he hasn't heard any alarms because they would shout that alarm to each other. So he assumes they probably got like a goat or something. So he takes a shot. They're just eating. Yeah, they're just eating something. So he takes a shot, but the lions take whatever they've taken down and they disappear over a ridge. Daylight comes, Patterson climbs down, and he comes across Mr. Whitehead. And he, (laughs) this is the conversation that they have. Where on earth did you come from, I explain. Why didn't you turn up at dinner last night? A nice reception you give a fellow when you invite him to dinner was his only reply. Why, what's up, I asked lions you dumbass that infernal lion of yours nearly did for me last night said whitehead nonsense you must have dreamed it like the audacity of this fucking man don't fucking gaslight me patterson right (laughs) for answer he turned around and showed me his back that's not much of a dream is it he asked his clothing was rent by one huge tear from the nape of the neck downwards and on the flesh was four great claw marks showing red and angry through the torn cloth so he rushes him into his tent and he's cleaning him up and he finds out that they were actually attacked in the night. And those shots that he heard was Whitehead trying to kill this fucking lion. <gasps> Unfortunately, it got his servant, Abdullah, and that's what he heard was the lions eating Mr. Whitehead's like servant. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yep. So a superintendent. So. Patterson at this point is like, I need more firepower. I need more guns. I need more men. So he gets a hold of a guy named Farquhar, and he's the superintendent of police. He shows up with a group of soldiers. Um, So they decide to finally utilize this cage. And they put some of the soldiers in the cage. They're armed with rifles. They have plenty of ammunition. And so fucked up. They put these men in here, but they've told them. They everybody knows about these lions. They've been eating people like they don't usually miss. And they're stuck in a fucking cage where the lion's going to come in and be less than what? 10 feet away from them. Not even that. No. So. They're armed with rifles. They're given strict instructions to just shoot as soon as the lion comes in. Patterson is overjoyed when at about nine at night he hears the trap door slams shut and he knows that one of the lions is in there and it's going down. Right. Instead of firing at this lion, they all fucking freeze because this thing is massive and it's, it 
Stop. Doesn't even, like, it doesn't walk in. It fucking runs in and throws itself at the bars. Yeah, like, it's trying to get to these people. So, <laughs> yeah. They are frozen in fear. And the guy, their captain, like, yells at them, like, shoot it! And so they just lose their minds. And they're shooting at anything and everything. So so Patterson had actually set himself at a right angle to the trap so that he wouldn't have like a stray bullet. And he said that as soon as they started shooting, they started to fire with a vengeance. And Patterson said that bullets were just whizzing all around him. Like he's at a right angle of this thing. And he's going to he's worried that he's going to get hit with a bullet because they're it's not they're just firing willy nilly. Mm-hmm. So one of the bullets actually manages to hit the bar on the trap door and the trap door goes down and the lion escapes are you kidding me no no not at all this he is says, some like it's crazy this is not normal fucking yeah it's not normal insane. Mm-hmm. yeah it says how they feel they failed to kill him several times over is over is and always will be a complete mystery to me as they could have put the muzzles of their rifles absolutely touching his body. So they weren't that far away. I mean, less than five. And these are soldiers. Five feet. This is not like. No. These aren't workers. Mm-mm. These are soldiers. These are they soldiers. Yeah. And this is a big. A I'm going to tell you how big these lions are. They're fucking massive. They're huge. So yep. in my personal opinion, also, I think that, tra- that Patterson should have put his own fucking self in that trap. Yeah. That's how I feel about that. So there is yeah. a small amount of blood, and they think that one of the animals is probably wounded. So they just, Well, I hope so. Yeah, after all of those bullets whizzing around. Yeah, so after two days with no success, Farquhar and the soldiers have to leave. And um, Mr. Whitehead's also gone, so Patterson's left alone again. And... Um, on the 9th of December, a Swahili man is actually running towards Patterson camp and he's shouting Simba, Simba, and he keeps looking behind him and the lion has taken down a donkey and it's eating it. So Patterson knows that he has a chance now to kill this donkey or this donkey, this lion while it's distracted even this donkey. So yeah. he gathers up all the workmen and all their tin cans and their pots and pans and he's like, we're going to we're going to make a semicircle in this thicket and we're going to get this fucking thing. Okay. So the guy, Farquhar, I believe it was Farquhar, left him a gun. Either Whitehead, yeah, Farquhar had left him a gun. Patterson hadn't tried it out yet, which was unwise, but he decides to take it because it's a higher caliber gun. And he thinks, if I have something higher, then I'm probably going to be able to kill it. So right. he, he's he got a clear shot, and they're going to drive this lion right towards Patterson. So the lion's about 15 yards from Patterson, and he takes aim to kill it. And as he moves, the lion actually catches sight of Patterson, and the lion's actually so startled that it, like, sits down on its haunches, and it kind of gets into a defensive position. Patterson takes aim and pulls the trigger and the gun clicks. It doesn't fire. It misfires. Nothing happens. And the lion now knows where he's at. So he kind of panics a little bit. And he is so shocked that the, the gun doesn't fire. And he has entirely yeah. forgotten that he has another barrel. He has a double barrel shotgun. So he lowers okay. the gun. 
And the lion rushes. He takes the opportunity. The lion runs off into the bush. And he, before he can, Patterson realizes, like, oh, dummy, I have another shot. <laughs> and he shoots this lion and he hits him. <gasps> so Patterson is starting to believe that these lions are not lions. They are evil spirits because of the trap and the gates, all the bomas, all of this stuff. So his gun misfiring. This has been going on for eight months and he's starting to believe right. like this is actually, these Everything. are not lions. Yeah. So um, he decides to use a donkey and the donkey that the lions were feeding on and he builds a hide about 12 feet off the ground and he ties this carcass to a stump so they can't take it off. So sundown comes and he's up in this perch and he hears a twig snap and he hears what sounds to him like a large body moving through the bush. So it gets so close to him that he can hear it breathing and he knows that this thing is stalking him. And for two hours while Patterson is up in this hide, he can hear the lion creeping around in just circles, getting closer and closer to him. And at any moment he thinks, I, this thing's going to pounce on me and I'm going to die. He's like, this was right. a poor choice. I made a poor decision because he's up in this height. It's only 12 feet off the ground and it's on like this little spindly legs. Like it's not, it's not a good thing that he's built. It's not a good idea. <laughs> Midnight, something hits him in the back of the head and he thinks it's the lion. He's so freaked out that he nearly falls off the perch, but it's an action. It's actually an owl that hits him in the back of the head. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, who's there? Ooh, ooh, ooh. So the lion lets out a roar and Patterson hears this lion and he actually can make out make it out in the darkness and he fires. And the lion is leaping around and he just keeps shooting. Wherever he thinks it is, he just keeps shooting. And he hears the lion groan. And it starts to breathe really heavy. And then it goes quiet. And one of the lions is dead. Yeah. Finally. And the men have this big party. Because they realize like they're not actually demons. They're actually lions. And we can kill them. Right. So it's like they the go out into the they first go out. bit of comfort. Yeah. After eight months, nine months. So they yeah. go out and they find this lion. And... Um, he had hit it earlier, um, but the shot, one of the shots in the night had pierced its heart. So they Love get the it. lion back to camp and it measured nine feet, eight inches long, and it stood three feet in height. It took eight men to carry this animal back to camp. Eight full grown men. So... They've got one of them, but there's one still out there. Nine. A few nights go by, and the second lion attacks some goats. So he builds another perch. He's like, well, the first perch worked. Might as well try it again. So he builds one near the goat carcass, and he actually ties three full-grown goats, and they're tied to a rail. It's about a 250-pound rail, and he's like, this lion's not going to be able to pull this off. There's no way. So he waits yeah. all night. And the lion does come and it grabs one of the goats and it drags all three goats and the fucking railroad tie off into the night. <laughs> like, it's a fucking twig. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah. 
So Patterson is in pursuit of this lion. It's really easy to follow. It's dragged this whole entire railroad tie with it, and it's eating one of the goats that it's gotten. And the other two goats are still alive and completely untouched. So he builds another perch, and this time he has his gun bearer, Mahina, with him. And honestly, I'm surprised that he's still going because he's been staying up all night for weeks. Um... He's on edge all the time being stalked by these man-eating lions, and he kind of starts to fall asleep, and Mahina shakes him, and he whispers, lion, and he points to the goat, and he can see the lion. So he takes aim, and he fires, and he watches the lion actually go down under the force of the impact, but it jumps back up, and it runs into the bushes. No. So they track this lion, but they it goes into a rocky area, and they can't track it anymore. So for 10 days, 10 days, nothing happens. And he thinks, I probably wounded it. It probably went off to die somewhere. Nope. No. No. Um, Patterson knows that because they haven't found a body, there is a possibility that maybe it will come back. So the night of December 27th comes and Patterson hears the all too familiar cries of terror. And the men are shouting that the lion is forcing its way through the boma to get them. So he fires a few shots of the lion to scare it off, but they find that the lion has um, gone into every single, like the men climb, got into trees and the lion went into every single tent. Like they could follow its tracks and they went into every single tent and went around every single tree that the men had climbed into. Like it's uncanny how smart they are. I don't know. I mean, anyway. So he, the next night, Patterson climbs up into a tree again, and he and Mahina are up in this tree, and Patterson falls asleep, and it's a full moon, and they're sure that if the lion comes, they're going to be able to see it. Right. He wakes up from his little nap, and he he feels like something's wrong, and Mahina tells him, like, I haven't seen anything, so Patterson goes to lay back down, and he thinks he sees something in the dark, and it's the lion, and it's stalking them again. So... um. The area that they're in is the, it's pretty clear around the bottom of the tree and they watch this mm-hmm. lion go around and around the tree and it's just circling and stalking these guys and it gets about 20 feet away and Patterson fires and he hears the bullet actually make impact and even though it's a really great direct shot the lion still bounds off into the bush but before he can disappear from sight he actually gets off three more shots and he knows that the last one also hit the lion. So as soon as it's light enough, Patterson and Mahina go along with a tracker, and they are gonna track this lion down once and for all. They're gonna stay out, and they're gonna get, or they're gonna get this thing. So they follow the animal's blood trail, and not a quarter from their camp, they suddenly hear a growl, and it's right in front of them, and it growls so loud that Patterson says he can feel it in his bones. Yeah. So Patterson goes forward and he's like peering through the bushes and he sees this lion snarling and he takes aim, fires and hits the lion again. And the lion like rushes in. So Patterson fires again and knocks the lion over and he's instant, but he's he's back up and he's charging Patterson again. And so um, Patterson puts his hand out to Mahina and Mahina's like halfway up a fucking tree with his other gun. Like, do you blame him? Yeah, no. So Patterson has no choice but to run to this tree and he climbs up and he takes the rifle and he shoots the lion again and it falls down and it actually goes still this time. So he thinks, excellent, I got it, I killed it. He jumps out of the fucking tree 
and he's walking towards it and this lion jumps up and fucking charges him again like i don't know how many at this point it's been hit like five times and it just it has a broken leg and it won't Sounds stop like a a, a wolf it's like ramped um, up <laughs> like a uh, uh, previous episode also yes like a I don't like what you just said. You're welcome. Ew. Okay. Um. So he shoots it again, and it goes down for good, not five feet away from Patterson. Now, Patterson wrote this book. I don't know how accurate this all was. He probably wanted to sell a lot of copies of his book. Maybe this all happened. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Right. Right. So they get this other lion back and they did find out that it had been shot six times and it was this lion measured nine feet, six inches long, and it stood three feet and 11 inches high. It's huge. Yeah. So oh Patterson realizes that yeah, it's huge. It's enormous. So Patterson realizes that this nightmare is finally over and the men think that Patterson is a hero because he's killed these two lions and they give him a silver bowl which he said is actually his greatest trophy that he's ever received. So both of the lions are skinned and Patterson actually takes their skulls. And when he goes home, he has their skins turned into rugs. Um, in 1925, he was at um, a museum in Chicago giving a talk on his experience in Savo. And he was, they have other lions there. And after seeing their collection and receiving such an enthusiastic welcome, he offers to sell the skulls and the remains to the Field Museum for $5,000. Which is unheard of. No. Then, so right. they are given to a taxidermist and the lions are mounted, but they actually are smaller than what they would have been because they had been trimmed. The skins had been trimmed to create rugs and then they were trimmed to also fit over these taxidermy figures. Um, so they are actually on display in the Field Museum in Chicago. Oh shit! I saw like the that's them. Like I saw the fake ones. That's but not that's fake. Them? That's them. <gasps> yep. Crazy, right? That is terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, and they're not. They don't look. I mean, they don't look very big because their skins have been trimmed. They still look. They still big, look though. big, but they were even bigger. Fucking crazy. Dude, those lions were responsible for so many deaths. Mm -hmm. And they're like on display in a museum. Mm -hmm. They're like serial killer lions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was originally said that the lions ate 130 men. <gasps> yeah. Um, there is some science that's been done. So a guy named Bruce Patterson, he's not related. He did an isotope test on the lion and on their hair and bone fragments um, to see kind of what percentage of their diet was human at the end of their lives. And he said that during the last three months of their lives, the lions ate closer to 35 humans, which is about 100 fewer. So it probably really puts it anywhere from like, they probably ate around 75 people, which is so many. It's so many. Um. Yeah, because who you knows? Know I mean, like, why they started eating humans? Yes, yes, and I'm gonna tell you. Uh, two lions had really severe dental issues. One of them had a root tip abscess, and one of the pulp on his tooth was showing so much 
that it probably was insanely painful to even like chew on anything. And people are soft. We're pretty diff like we don't have shells. We're <laughs> we don't have teeth or claws that can hurt. I mean, we're really defenseless. So it was really easy for we're them. We're just meat. We're just food. Yeah. So the we other don't have feathers or huh? We don't have feathers no. or hide no. or yeah. No, and they were all grouped together. Like it's such an easy. Did not ever think about us like that. No. No. Um, one of the other lions was missing three of its lower incisor, and it was also showing pulp. But that's why. Because they had dental problems. Excuse me. And it was easy to eat people. So that is the story of the man-eating lions of Savo. To start off our spooky season with actually real-life spooky. Horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> alien lions yeah i'm pretty sure those lions were not i don't care they were too smart it's too smart i don't care i don't care if they I'm could be killed more. a little bit more on the disguise yeah yuck Ugh. yuck Ugh. so there you go yeah that's the story of the lions Fuck of seven that. i hate <laughs> I would like to go to the field museum, though, and see them in real life. So, did that movie scare the shit out of you mm. when you were growing mm -hmm. up? Were you like, fuck lions? Mm -hmm. 100%. Okay. And I was convinced You're for like, a I while. I thought I liked The Lion King, and now I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I was convinced for a while that there were lions outside and that they were going to get me. It's... Oh, that's awful. And the movie is good. I mean, there's some stuff in it that's not accurate with what happened in the story but it is a good portrayal because the lions in the movie are full maned lions they're not like the yeah. lions that Some were actually lions. in the story but they look naked yeah. they look like two female they lions do. they, they look don't naked. look like male lions and that's why when I first heard about this story I was like they look funny but they just don't have very, very big names So founded in 1806, the town was originally named Boston, Ohio, or Boston Township. Um, but it adopted the moniker or pseudonym. Is that the word? Another name. Of Helltown, Ohio. What? And just a disclaimer, there are a few mentions of like unaliving children. In this okay. town. So I just want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. I didn't find that any of those stories are actually true. Like where okay. it's like, oh yeah, you know, Betty Jane was murdered here. Like right. okay. Nothing, there's no newspaper clippings. Gotcha. But still part of the kind of lore. Yeah. Um, around this abandoned town. Oh, it's abandoned. So makes it worse we're doing a ghost town um so yeah anyway Helltown is a ghost town in the chinoka valley this valley i had it the valley it's a valley it's a valley um and unlike many ghost towns like of the old west 
This one was not deserted because of uh, gold drying up or resources dwindling. Like that's usually what drove towns to be abandoned is that the thing that once made them prosperous uh, is no longer available. So townspeople need to move elsewhere because there's nothing else available. Right. That's not what happened with Helltown. Um, so I wanted to give the actual definition of ghost town as well. Oh. Um, so a ghost town is an abandoned village, town, or city. A uh, town often becomes a ghost town because the economic economic activity that supported it has failed due to natural or human-caused disasters such as floods, government actions, uncontrolled lawlessness, wars, and nuclear disasters. Chernobyl. Yeah. Right? So, Spooky. So, that's just like the straight-up definition of a ghost town for you. So, that's there are some bits in here that kind of make the make that real, but it, usually when you have a ghost town, it's because resources are aren't available anymore. Okay. So this is a mill town. It's as I said, it's founded in 1806, and um, predating the town's founding, I want to like give a nod to this because if it's true, I want to put it in here, and if it's not true, I'm telling you right now that I couldn't really pinpoint it. So it's said that there was actually um, a Native American tribe that had been pushed from the East Coast and like Ohio was where they were forced to move to because all of the colonizers kept pushing them out further and further. So they, they, the Lenape Native Americans lived in this area for a long time, but it was always fighting and war and nonstop deaths and murder and killing and bloodshed just like just trying to have their land and it was just constantly being fought over um by the colonizers so eventually but like after all this bloodshed and after all this death and just terror that they've gone through um the treaty of easton was established in 1754 so this ends the fighting you know, gives them land somewhere else and, you know, moves them again. Right. So at this point, nobody's really in that town and it's not founded again until 1806. The only reason I want to say that I'm not sure about the Lenape people living in this area <laughs> is because I found a couple of resources where it was Helltown with a space between it. And it was because they had mistranslated the word clear oh, okay. um, to hell in, I think, French. Oh. So something like that. Okay. But then the name Helltown doesn't come up again. So mm. and I was kind of looking at some different places and rivers, basins that were referenced in this article about the Native Americans being moved and the Lenape people being moved. And so it was like, I just couldn't pinpoint that it was actually all happening in one location. Gotcha. And I listened to a couple of podcasts on this and some people mentioned it and some people didn't. Gotcha. And so I just don't know if we're talking about the same region at all, but it came up when I was doing my research. So I want to say it in case it's true, but I'm also here to tell you that maybe it's not <laughs> maybe and maybe it's, it's not the same location. Gotcha. And 
please correct me if you know, because I just could not pinpoint it. Yeah. I was like looking at rivers. I'm like, does this river go anywhere near this? No, it doesn't. So is this the same place? Right. So anyway, yeah, it was a little bit crazy. Um, so it was actually abandoned by its inhabitants in 1974. Oh. Um, and no one's lived there since. Dun, dun. That's not very long ago. No, I know. That's so creepy. that's another part of it is like. Sometimes you have ghost towns where it's like, oh, yeah, it was around for 50 years. Yeah. This one was around for 168. Yeah. So quite a bit of time. All right. Um, also, just so you know, like they're the biggest resource in the area and what really established the town was it was a paper mill. Okay. So that's what, you know, the foresty, forested area and lumber and all that was being used for. Yeah. Anyway. Why was it abandoned? It's not super clear. Um, there are theories. There's a, <laughs> rampant theories about everything that happens in this town. And I'll kind of go over at the end a little bit of the like maybe some of the truths behind it and how those could have been carried out mm-hmm. um, or like made way bigger than they were. Okay. So. Uh, there are theories that there was a chemical spill and the government conspiracy to cover it up. Oh. Um, some sources even say it could have been a supernatural occurrence. Oh. That, again, the government was trying to cover up. So the story, though, the public story that was out there and that you can find on any article or site is that the Genoa Valley is part of was being um, made into a national park. Okay. So in 1974, um, President Gerald Ford is working on establishing <laughs> like the most little known president. I know. I was like, who again? <laughs> um, he's working on establishing national parks and ending de- deforestation. Okay. Um, so kind of a nice thing, yeah. but. The legislation that he approved allowed the National Park Service to literally take anybody's land who was living in the area. So they would buy it off them, but then but they had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. They had to leave like you're we're going to pay you for this, but you're out like you find somewhere else. This is now a national park. It's not residence. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. I mean. So uh, an an example of that is there was a quote written on one of the homes Uh um, that said, now we know how the Indians felt. And that was a direct quote. So, you know, it was definitely some poetic justice. I mean, sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) I don't know. Not sorry. I don't I don't know. But anyway, government forced out the Indians now or the Native Americans and then forced out the colonizers ancestors. So, you know, so, you know, is it being a is it really this whole national parks thing or is it something more? Uh, The the residents living in this area had no choice but to abandon their homes and relocate. And the government was attempting something good. 
right? Or so we're meant to believe, but it displaced so many. Um, I wasn't able to find the population of the town, but it, since it was over 160 years old and it was like super well established, Mm. when you look at it, it's a like 1970s neighborhood, you know? It's like, yeah. I mean, definitely out there, it's not bustling or anything, but they like, there's a gas station. There's a, you know, not your typical old bank, old schoolhouse, old bar Ooh. kind of what you would think of a yeah um what you'd think of a ghost town right um so when i was looking at photos i found it really eerie to see more modern buildings completely yeah. untouched um quite a the few m- quite a few of the buildings if not all of the buildings were actually demolished in 2016 mm-hmm. um and then i read in one place that there were like one or two still remaining um, and a few homes that had been like purchased. But oh. the thing I want to point out with the research on this that I found is that I can't tell if these are all stories from this town before it was abandoned. Gotcha. Or if they are just rumors or stories or folk tales from it being this ghost town. Sure. Right. And I don't know when it's established as Helltown. It's Boston Township. And when you look on a map, it's still called Boston. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. I don't know at what point. I, I had a hard time finding like that. Yeah. When hmm. was it called Helltown? Yeah. Was it when people still lived there? Was this sh- creepy shit happening before they left? Like, or did all this shit go down after it was abandoned? So, um, and there, there's a couple of things why, and maybe that's why the government's covering it up. So let's dive into some of the creepiest stuff. Let's dive in. Um, so I literally looked up, why is it called Helltown? <laughs> and this was the sentence on Wikipedia. Oh, no. It has been coined as Helltown due to certain conspiracy theories involving the town oh that's it that's all the whole wiki page that's the whole wiki i've never seen a wiki i have never seen a wiki page especially around conspiracy theories that oh no didn't have more information that scared me more than anything i did in this whole research no thank you yuck yuck oh I want to look at it, but I also don't want to look at it because it's already creeping me out. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about some of the beliefs about what goes on here. Um, We've got cryptids. We've got ghosts. We've got undead. We've got mutants. What? It's like it is insane. The shit that like the stories that are coming from this place. So the first one we're going to talk about is one of the mutants. And its name is the Peninsula Python. Ooh. And it is said to be a mutated python from the chemical spill or sure. reaction to whatever this government cover-up was. And the python is said to be 30 feet long. Shut yeah. up. That and, can eat a person. And like our Savo lions, had a taste for human flesh. Stop. That's just, yeah. 
It's said that the python is to, um, said to live in the woods and the river surrounding the town and will only eat humans. Uh. Um, however, it has never been photographed. <laughs> but, or there's no video evidence. There's no, like, it's just a, a tale yeah. that people talk about. But there are tracks that can be seen seen that actually look like tire marks. Oh, yuck. That's a thick snake. Yuck. Yuck. Nope. Yuck. I literally wrote yuck. Yuck. Um, all right. Now we're going to talk about the bus. The bus. The bus. Um, around the town, there is a school bus that had been abandoned as well. The school bus is one of a hot a hotbed for ghost activity. So there's a few different stories that go along with the bus, and but it's definitely like it involves children and it involves ghosts and it definitely involves a man. I so I don't like that it's called the bus. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the bus. The bus. Yeah, I just want to tell you bus some pictures on its fine, but the bus. It's the bus. Ugh. So um, people have said that they've seen a man in the bus just looking out. They said that there was a whole school bus filled, filled with children that had been murdered by a crazy serial killer, sacrificed by satanic cults. Like, right, the whole there gambit. are different versions yeah. for everything, oh but God. tons of kids murdered. Right. You know, and now the ghosts of the children and the serial killer are haunting that that bus. Oh, thank you. There no. are no seats inside of it. <laughs> I know. It doesn't make it worse. <laughs> I know. So, like, there have been ghost hunters who have been there, and they would they've reported that they saw a man standing in the bus, and you could see his lit cigarette. And then they'd go in and and check, and there would be nobody there. What and they saw like him cigarette. like a few nights. Ew! Right? Yuck. Okay, you're freaking me out. That's so gross. That's so gross. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, another, but some something to make you feel better about the bus. The bus was actually purchased by the homeowners. So it's like close to a, a house. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they were renovating their home, and so mm-hmm. they had this bus. Is actually they were living out of the bus while their home was being renovated. Interesting. Um, and, and so, like men and the, and this is while the town is still a town. So that's okay. why the bus was there. And so when they were when they left, they didn't have use for the bus anymore, and the bus they was left government it. property. Gotcha. So it just wasn't ever taken with them. Of um, course. So, again, no records of a bus full of children being murdered, no records of a serial killer in the area, no one's ever been caught kind of thing. Right. Um, But it's a spooky tale. It's a spooky tale about the bus. Yeah. So next we're going to talk about the hearse. Um, It is said – there's said to be a haunted hearse that will chase you off the road. So if you're driving at night, it'll chase you off it you'll a hearse will come up behind you speeding and chase you off the road until you pull out and then like they'll go around you and then disappear. And 
that's all they have on hers. Just, I don't that know. Is, is it a okay. ghost hearse? Is it a real that hearse? Is somebody gross. actually driving around? Yeah. Yuck. The the movie Jeepers Creepers scared the shit out of me when I was younger. And it makes me think uh, of that. And I don't like ew, it. The belly I button. don't like it at all. I hate belly that button. movie. Still. Yeah, that movie is next level. I don't even know when it, I watched it. It's it yucky. Yeah. No, you know what I'm talking about with the belly button? Ugh. The tattoo on the yeah. and she's like, oh, it's his belly button. Yeah. Ugh. Ah. Yep. Oh, you made me jump. Ugh. Fucking hate this. I hate October. <laughs> Except that it's not October. But yet. you also love I it. I hate spooky season. It's like it's a, such a rush. Um, there's a crybaby bridge, which is a, I guess a pretty normal term in the paranormal world. It oh. meant that, you know, somebody was somebody threw their child off the bridge, which is again <gasps> fucking awful. Oh no. That is horrible. Again, there is no record of that happening here. Right. So, you know, but it said if you're driving over the bridge, you can hear crying. If you leave your car on the bridge with the keys in the ignition and leave it and come back, you could find that it will be turned on. Um you also, if you leave your car on the bridge, you'll come back and find like handprints and footprints of little kids all around your car. Um, yeah, just super ugh, creepy, super excellent. Um, and then there's two. There's the end of the world and highway to hell, which is actually the same like highway in the town. The end of the world is called that because there's a, it's kind of up on a hill. And if you're parked at a certain point, you're looking out and you look out, it looks like you're on a cliff. Like you can't see the road underneath you. Oh, sure. Okay. And so yeah. you look like you're going to fall off the end of the world. Right. So that alone is just like creepy like geography yeah. for you you know like just a kind of trick of the mind of being yeah. at the yeah, end of the yeah. world it's also called highway to hell because it's said if you're parked at the end of the world you can then be attacked by an axe murderer who will slaughter you in your car what is this yeah. saw or fucking this what's, is like no, what's... every horror mil- film like just conglomerated into Texas some Chainsaw like fucking Massacre story bullshit yeah, so, you know, watch out for an axe murderer, I guess. Oh, my God. Um. Then there are two churches. One of them um, is said to be an old Presbyterian church, and it's actually called the Mother of Sorrows or Mother of Sorrows. Okay. Um, and it's said to be a satanic temple in disguise. Um, reason being is that it is adorned in upside-down crosses. And so, and it's said that there are candles being lit inside, even at all, like all hours of the night. Um, it's said that you like it's just a front for satanic worshipers. Sure. Um, the whole premise of this town is that it's a secret underground satanic like cult. Yeah. You know that uh-huh. they live in the woods and they bring people in and they you get murdered or stolen or you know standard satanic practice stuff i guess 
don't know. Standard stuff. Standard. It's just your run of the meal. It's your run of yeah. the meal cult. <laughs> just your run of the paper mail cult. That works. <laughs> Paper milk holds. Perfect. I think you just named our episode. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so while the church does have upside down crosses, this is actually common practice in Gothic revival style. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church was constructed. And that's the style it was like constructed under. So hmm. it's like okay. creepy because you're like, ooh, those crosses are upside down. But it was like it was completely on purpose not when it was built. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. I read somewhere like kind of gingerbready, you know, style. Yeah. Church. I gotcha. Um so in an interview I listened to on the Night Owl podcast, um, it's mm. and this episode is called Erie, Ohio, Helltown Campfire. Um, and Campfire is kind of the, one of their um versions of their episodes. Um they actually interviewed a couple of kids who had grown up in Ohio and they drove up in high school with their friends Mm -hmm. to go check out this abandoned town. Um, And this is probably like you do. And this was probably, they said it was like, you know, 10 years ago and the podcast was recorded back in 2020. So, you know, 2010 ish. I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Um, and he said that they've found like satanic sayings everywhere, like welcome to hell, um, mm. you know, spray painted things on the wall, probably mostly vandalism, especially with the name Helltown. Pe- teenagers go up there, they cause destruction, they make it scarier, you try to scare your friends, all that stuff. Um, he right. did have some really creepy stories, though. though. There's one where they saw this dog in the middle of the road. In this abandoned town, like nobody fucking lives up there. And he is like, they're all looking at it and it just slinks off into the woods and then they hear it die. Like they they hear it yelp and die. And they're like, something killed that dog just now. And I don't know what the fuck it was. Uh, Scary. Then they decide to go into the church because they were like religious and felt like that would be some sanctuary. Um, they're standing in the church and something walks over the pew twice and they were like, no. oh my God, we have to leave. And uh, yeah. they were saying like, that was like the most vivid memory. And there was like eight of them and all of them saw the same thing. And it's like, have they the all can experience. recount the story the same way. Yeah, Cause in this podcast, there was two interviews, <sighs> like one of like, I think it was Blake and Connor or something like that. And they both told the story almost identically. I mean. You could have made it up, but still, like, something like that sticks with you. Sure. Um, yeah. They drive five hours home the next day, and they're all kind of going their separate ways. And the friend who originally had seen the dog stops again. She's like, everybody, you need to come here. They look down the hill, and there's a dog standing in the middle of the road staring at all of them. And – he like everybody no. in this neighborhood no. knows all the dogs in the neighborhood like it's a small town that They've like never seen this dog. they said they he, he they had people walking by you know people out on the walk in the mornings and he asked right. his neighbors he's like do you know whose dog that is and they didn't see the dog stop corinne yeah. yuck yeah mm-hmm. 
normal. Yeah. Oh, right. I got just, it. Just some, what so while there are some crazy stories around this, you know, like kind of out there stories where you can see where something Yuck. was taken up a next level because sure, you have this yeah. perfect kind of canvas. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now I want to get into a little bit of like the truth and some information. Excellent. There. Make us not so So scared. Rebecca Jones Mako, who at the time of the article that I was reading, um, was a park ranger for the CVNP, which is the Chagonia Pal- Valley National Park or whatever. Um, <laughs> Chagonia. Patagonia. <laughs> I don't fucking know. The Valley. Um, the Valley. The National Park. Um, she said there was truth to there's some truth to all the legends legends and the myths. She explains that the government was making an effort to purchase properties in the recreation area um, and slowly started to acquire more buildings. This, however, led to an issue because they had no plan oh. with what to do with those buildings once they once they were acquired. So what they did is they boarded them up and put big-ass no trespassing signs on everything that they acquired. And so you slowly have this town like boom, 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 boom. You know, big no trespassing signs are going up all around. People are going to get creative with what the fuck is going on. And ultimately, the government was like, great, we have this national park, but we have all these buildings here that we don't really know what we're doing with. So we're just going to board them up and leave them. Oh my you know, gosh. like that bus being left there. Right. It's finally right. been towed. It's no it's longer not anything, there anymore. Yeah, it's not anything but scary. It took, it took years, like up into the 2000s for that thing to be moved. So it's just like it was slow yeah. moving. And so when you have stuff yeah. that's slow moving and nobody going in and nobody touching it, it's just abandoned. Right. Of course, you're going to have speculation built right. around that. Um. So what about a chemical spill? There's actually some truth to that. So there's about a 40-acre plot in the back of um, the National Park and that had over a 1,000 drums of paint that had been dumped. Holy um, shit. And that had been leaking into the area. Oh, no. So this is a big you know, hazard chemical-wise for that um, that preserve so they finally started looking into it because rangers were getting rashes out of nowhere and one hiker had had been hiking out there and came back and had to be hospitalized and eventually died so these like big things were going on yeah and so it was such a mess that superfund was actually involved which superfund is a chemical spill company mm-hmm. and they're like the big dogs that get called in for super serious situations so they're the ones who are in charge of cleanup and you know um res- restoration uh is something like oil spill chemical leak you know hazardous material yeah. they get involved so this literally just added fuel to the conspiracy fire. Um, ultimately, someone was a dump, dump, had been dumping illegal substances and hazardous materials, and it took the government to clean it up and set it right. Um, 
it's still not clear today if Helltown is open to the public. Mm-hmm. It's like it's they're like, is it trespassing if it's a right. national park? Um, there's no signs saying like no trespassing. There's nothing saying like do not enter. So it's like, is it still dangerous? We don't know. Would they let people into a national park that was dangerous or an area in the national park that was dangerous? I don't know. So that's what I have for you on Helltown. Yuck. That's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah, good oh and spooky and yucky. And that's not my favorite. Oh, it's fine. No. Sorry. Happy Halloween. Happy kidding. spooky season. Happy spooky season. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening and watching. If you're watching, um, we appreciate you and love you. Make sure you check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok for all of your podcast content needs. Um, we share information about shows coming up. We share silly things that we love and books we're reading and all fun things. So come follow us. If there's something that you heard that maybe wasn't right or if you just want to send us an email, you can reach us at morethanmythspodcast at gmail.com. Wherever you podcast, we also podcast. So if you have a minute and you can just follow and subscribe, that really helps. If you can leave a review, um, that also helps just kind of gives us a little bit more visibility so we can find more curious friends. Just, you know, gives the little pot a little bump. And remember, if you love us, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your nerds. Tell your nerds. Until next time, stay curious. Bye.